arm. Hallelujah. That's what we have vested in that name. All that we are. All that we have. All that we will ever be is through the power and the authority in his precious name. As believers, there is, there's something on the inside of us that is desiring to get a greater revelation. How many of you want to study the word of God and find out more about what's wrapped up and involved in this name that is above every name? Hallelujah. You know, the Bible tells us over in Colossians chapter three, you can look over there if you want. Colossians chapter three, verse 17. It tells us really that the name of Jesus should be a part of everything that we do, how we live, what we do, what we speak and whatever you do in word or in deed, do all. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the father through him. Look at that phrase. Whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, as believers, if we would just live under that principle, whatever we do, do it all in the name of the Lord. There'd be a lot of Christians living and acting differently. Do you suppose that you can pick up some weed and roll a joint and smoke it in the name of the Lord, Sabrina? No, and I know she doesn't do that. You can't do that. Do you think that you can, you know, get a, get a bunch of drugs and say, I'm going to shoot these drugs up in the name of the Lord? No. How about, can you lie, cheat, and steal and say, well, I'm going to just take that. Doesn't belong to me, but I'm going to just steal in the name of the Lord. No, you can't do that. Nothing that is evil like that can be done in the name of the Lord. What about gossiping and backbiting and all of that stuff? Can you get down to somebody and say, now, listen, Sister Helen. I'm not the gossipy kind, so make sure you listen really good the first time. I'm going to tell you what uh, something about Sister Sister Bertha. You listen real good the first time because I'm not going to repeat it. But you know, I'm going to gossip about her in the name of the Lord. No, can't do it. We can't gossip. In the name of the Lord, we can't stir up strife in the name of the Lord. Whatever you do in word, whatever you do in action, do it all in the name of the Lord. I think before we did some things or said some things, if we just stopped and thought, is this glorifying the name of the Lord? We put our hand over our mouth sometimes. Or we would turn around and walk the other way. We'd be more conscious that we're not going to do these things that do not glorify him. His name is meant to be praised. 
His name is meant to be glorified. His name is meant to be magnified. The wonderful name of Jesus is not a slang word. The wonderful name of Jesus is not meant to be cursed. It's meant to be blessed. Oh, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. And magnify the Lord with me. We bless you, Jesus. Let's lift our hands. We bless you, Lord. We magnify you, Lord. Oh, we will not do anything that does not bring honor to your holy name. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, tonight we want to talk about how Jesus obtained his wonderful name. Some men are born to a great name, a king, for instance. Others have made their name great by achievements. Still others have a great name conferred upon them. Our Lord Jesus did all three. He inherited his name. He received his name by his great achievements of conquering death, hell, and the grave. Amen. And we're going to look at these areas tonight. So the first way that Jesus obtained his name is by inheritance. Turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 1 through 4. You're not opposed to me reading a lot of scriptures tonight. Since tonight we're going to be more of a teaching. Last week we were preaching. We were fired up because God spared us from being killed in that tornado. Hallelujah. And we're still fired up about that. But we want to lay some foundations about the name of Jesus tonight. Hebrews chapter 1 beginning at verse 1. Now God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. Everybody say heir of all things. Jesus is heir of all things through whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance. Everybody read that last part with me. He has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Jesus inherited a more excellent name than the angels. His name is a name that is greater than any angelic being. His name is a name that is greater than any other name on the face of this universe. There was a name in heaven that was reserved for him before the foundations of the world. There was a name that had been set aside and it was going to be inferred upon that one who was to inherit 
inheritance upon that one who was going to ratify the plan of salvation. That name was reserved to be inferred upon the one that would redeem mankind from their sin. That would come to this earth, pour out his precious blood for us. And there was only one person worthy to inherit that name. And his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He inherited that name by what he did. Notice this phrase here. He is the express image of God. He is the brightness. As one translation says, he is the outshining of the Father. In the Amplified, it says, of verse 3, he is the perfect imprint, the very image of God's nature. How many of you in here tonight are parents? You know, it's often said of children sometimes that they are the imprint of their father. They're just like their mother. They've got their characteristics. They've got their personality. Sometimes it's not always great. It can be the good, the bad, and the ugly, but they're just like their dad. You know what I mean? (laughs) As much as some kids look and act like their parents, yet they're not exactly like them because God created us all unique Beings, We all have our own characteristics. No two fingerprints are alike because all of us are created as one being in the likeness and image of him. But when it comes to Jesus, this verse says, Jesus is the express image of the father. He reflects all the characteristics and the attributes of. Of his heavenly father. He inherited them. From him. He's the image of God. If you want to see the father. Look at Jesus. The Bible says over in John. When the disciples were talking. It says no man has seen the father. But through me. Jesus was saying. If you've seen me. You have seen the father. Because I am a replica. I am a reflection. Of his love. Of his goodness. Of his mercy. Of all of his wonderful attributes. He himself. Inherited them. From his father God. Hallelujah. And when Jesus came to this earth, he was an ambassador sent from heaven to represent his homeland. An ambassador is simply this, a diplomatic minister of the highest order, one represented and one provided for by his homeland. Jesus was fully Funded by heaven when he came to this earth. He was fully backed 
by heaven. He came to this earth not to do his own will, but to do the will of his father, to do the will of him that sent him. And when he came, he had this vast inheritance. Even though he took on the form of a man, he still had that inheritance. He still was fully funded by heaven itself and all of heaven's resources were at his disposal. You know what? All that's invested in that name has been given unto us. We have an inheritance. Jesus obtained his name by inheritance and then all that he inherited, he gave to us. Some of us may have had the privilege of getting an inheritance. Let me ask you, when do you get an inheritance? When you die or when somebody else dies? It wouldn't do you any good. If you died on the same day that somebody left you a million dollars, you wouldn't get to spend a cent of it. It would have been in your name, but hey, it's too late. We get an inheritance, not when we die, but when somebody else dies. And Jesus died and he provided for us all that he inherited in that name. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead and he handed it over to whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says that he has made us joint heirs. We got joint seating. Hallelujah. Whatever he has is ours. And not only did Jesus die, but he's the only person that I know of that ever left an inheritance when he died. And then he rose up from the dead and he became the attorney of the estate. To make sure that we walk in our rights and in our privileges and all that he has funded us with. Hallelujah. Oh, what an inheritance. Oh, what a savior. Oh, what a plan. Oh, what a name that has been given Unto us. Hallelujah. Now the second way. That Jesus. Received his name. Was by bestowal. Bestow means. To present. As an honor. Let's turn over to Philippians chapter 2. We looked at this last week. But we need to look at it again. Philippians chapter 2 verse 9. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, blessed be your name. Philippians 2, 9. We're looking at most of these scriptures tonight in the New King James Version. Therefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him. There it is. The name. Oh, that just sends a thrill in my spirit. It's not a name. It's not a name. And it's not like there's multiple choices and multiple ways to get to heaven and to partake of this inheritance. There's only one name and his name is Jesus. God hath highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow 
of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Highly exalted. Those two words in the Greek, one means over and one means to lift up. This phrase in Strong's, it suggests that it's saying this, an exaltation to the highest position, an elevation above all others. God gave him the name above everyone name. One to which every knee shall bow. Do you reckon fear is a name? How about sickness and disease? Is it a name? How about depression? Is it a name? How about lack? Is it a name? Every name. Everybody say every name. There's nothing named under heaven that will not bow. To the authority in the name of Jesus. Now that name is not going to work for somebody that thinks they're going to use it just like a a lucky rabbit's foot or something like that. And just parrot, walk around the name, the name, in the name, in the name, in the name. No, that's why we're praying for revelation knowledge. That's why we are believing that the eyes of our understanding, our spiritual life will be flooded with light and our hearts will be able to grasp the power and the authority that's vested in the name of Jesus, the name. It's not just a name for this realm, but it is a name that is above every name in all three realms, heaven, earth, Under the earth, hell. Hallelujah. Now we've been referring to Ephesians quite a bit. And pastor has us praying the Ephesians prayers. And I found this translation of Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 in Moffat's. And I don't believe we have that. So just listen to this. May the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, grant you the spirit of of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of himself. Everybody say, so be it. Grant it unto me, Lord. And it goes on to say in verse 18, illuminating the eyes of your heart so that you can understand the hope to which he calls us, the wealth of his glorious heritage to the saints. Woo! Jesus inherited all that heaven has to offer. And then he left that inheritance to the saints. Woo! Glory to God. Are you a saint? And I'm not talking about the New Orleans saints. I'm talking about the saints of the living God, the church, the body of Christ. And notice there's no distinction. He didn't say that this wealth of this glory heritage was given to some of the saints, to all the saints who will receive it and walk in it. Hallelujah. 
And listen to this, verse 19. And the surpassing greatness of his power over us believers, a power which operates with the strength of his might. Woo! We got the spirit of might at our disposal. We don't serve a weak God. The name of Jesus is not a weak name. We shared it last week over there in Proverbs. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. They that run into it are saved. Verse 20 goes on. Which he exerted. This scene now this power that he just said is ours. Is that same power. Which he exerted in raising Christ from the dead and seating him at his own right hand in the heavenly spheres. Where is that seat that Jesus is seated on? Where is that position that we have been granted as joint heirs together with him? Seated together with him. Where is that seat that he's talking about? Right here in verse 21. It is above all angelic rulers, authorities, powers, and lords. It's above every name that is named. Not only in this age, but in the age to come. Hallelujah. He has put everything under his feet and set him as head over everything. Now listen to this phrase. Why, God, did you do that? Why did you give him that place and that position far above all principalities and powers? Why did you do that? Just for Jesus? No, the purpose is in this phrase. He did this For the church. Woo! Hallelujah! Woo! He conquered death, hell, and the grave. He conquered principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. And he raised him up. And he caused him to sit together in heavenly places. And we, my beloved, are part of the church that he did this for. And when we take our rightful position in that body of Christ, guess what? Not only are all things under his feet, all things are under our feet. Woo! Hallelujah! Goes on to say, for the church, the church, the church, which is his body, filled by him who fills the universe entirely. God not only gave him a name before which every being in the three worlds must bow and confess, but God seated him in the highest place in the universe. At his own right hand, head over all things. Listen to what D.W. Kenyon says. God has made this investment for the benefit of the church. He has made this deposit on which the church has the right to draw for her every need. He has given to him the name that has within it. The fullness of the Godhead, the wealth of the eternities, and the love of the heart of the Father God. And he did it 
for the purpose of the church. This name was bestowed upon him because of what he did. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. This place, this position was granted unto him. And folks, we have a place. We have things that have been bestowed unto us. And too many people are not coming up to the table. Too many people, too many believers are not coming up and sitting in the chair that has been provided for them. The devil is under our feet, but he wants to make you think you're under his feet. Folks, he doesn't have a place. He doesn't have a chair seated together in the heavenly places. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. He comes to the throne room day and night and he accuses us before the father. But there's not one verse in the Bible that says when he comes to the throne room that God says, well, pull up your chair and let's sit down here and talk about it. No, he doesn't have a seat. He's not been raised up together with Christ and made to sit together. That tells us made to sit together. You have a chair. You have a seat in the heavenly places next to the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let the devil get your seat. Don't let the devil have your chair. That's what he's going after. He's going after your place. He's going after your position. He wants to be able to have the authority that we have. But he has been defeated. He has been stripped of that authority. And it's been given to us. Hallelujah. Know where you're seated. There's benefits. There's privileges. We have preferred seating. I used this illustration years ago, but it just comes up in my heart. Maybe you've been to an event where you had preferred seating. I remember years ago, we went to Phoenix and we went to a game with a pastor's brother. It was a, a basketball game. And, you know, we were walking into the stadium and I'm thinking, where's our seats going to be? And, and, you know, I, I go to games mostly to eat. So I'm scoping out the <laughs> concession stand and going to eat this, going to eat that. And our seats, we kept going down, down, down to the floor. And I noticed the lines were really long at these concessions. Stands. And I'm thinking, man, I'm hungry. I'm going to spend most of my time out here. You know, isn't that big of a deal for me? But nonetheless, we got down. We had preferred seating. And preferred seating was almost on the floor. And preferred seating meant somebody came and said, here's a menu. May I take your order? I didn't have to leave my seat and go stand in the lines. Somebody came. Because I had preferred seating. It came with my seat. It came with my place that somebody was going to wait on me. Somebody was going to take my order and go out there and get that food for me. Folks, we got preferred seating in the realm of the spirit. Hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. 
Don't waste your time thinking you're going to storm the gates of heaven, begging and crying and squalling and bawling. What you need goes with your place. What you need goes with your position. Hallelujah. You've got preferred seating and all that you need (laughs) has been granted in that wonderful name, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's a word from heaven for somebody. Some of you need to know where you are seated. You have forgotten where your place and your position is. Rise up on the inside of you. Shake yourself spiritually. Some of you are asleep spiritually. You've just let the devil run roughshod over you. You've been accepting those lies. You've been receiving those thoughts that say that you are a nobody, that you are unworthy, that you don't receive, that you don't deserve the goodness of God and the love of God. You don't deserve to have your prayers answered. That's a lie. Come on up. Come on up and take your position. Woo! Come on back up and get in your seat. Stop crawling around on the ground. You got a chair. Woo! You are not an unworthy worm. Religion has grabbed hold of that and just inbreds that in people. You're an unworthy worm. You know what a symbol of a worm is? Worms slither around on the ground. You are not a worm and you are not unworthy. You have been made worthy by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. For our position. Thank you Lord. For what you have provided for us. And then the third area. We want to look at here tonight quickly. Jesus. Won. His name. By conquest. We've already been referring to it. What. He provided. Was not. Without a fight. But he was up. To the task. The kingdom of God is used to the conflict and used to the resistance from the devil. From the very beginning, Satan opposed the plan of God. From the very time there in the book of Genesis, when God prophesied that there was a seed of the woman that was coming, that was going to bruise his head. He went after that seed. Remember before Jesus was ever born, he tried to kill him before he was ever born. And then when he was just an infant, he caused that ungodly plot to come in Herod's thinking and have all of the young male babies killed. He's tried and he tried to oppose the plan of God. And then on that day when Jesus hung on that cross and he was crucified, don't you know that the devil and all All of his cohorts in the regions of the dam. They thought they had won. There was rejoicing in hell. There was a party going on. But that party was interrupted on the third day. Woo! Hallelujah! He thought that he had won. He thought that he had killed the son of God. He thought that he had stopped 
the plan of redemption. He thought that he had kept what God had put in motion to redeem mankind and to get man back in fellowship with him. He thought that he had thwarted that plan. But oh, was he in for a surprise. Hallelujah. He even thought that it it was his idea to crucify the Lord. But you know, it wasn't. God would have never allowed that to happen if it wasn't part of his plan to redeem mankind. Hallelujah. And Jesus would have never stayed on that cross if he hadn't willingly laid aside his deity. The Bible says he could have called 10,000 angels. He could have called 10,000 angels. The father had to turn away to keep from doing something. It wasn't the devil's idea to crucify Jesus. Certainly he stirred up the religious leaders, but it was in the plan from the beginning. But you know what? The plan didn't end on the cross. On that third day, Jesus rose up victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Hallelujah. The greatest conflict of the ages. The greatest conquest of eternity. Hallelujah. And Jesus came out the winner. Jesus came out the champion. Hallelujah. In the battle of the ages, Jesus was the last man standing. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo! And he departed from the regions of the dam. And he stripped the devil of his power and his authority. Look over at Colossians chapter 2 verse 15 in the Amplified. Hallelujah. Well, I guess this isn't just teaching tonight. I can't help myself. This is teaching to me, okay? (laughs) Because we're looking at a lot of scriptures. (laughs) Woo! Hallelujah! (laughs) Look at this. God disarmed. Woo, I like that word. He disarmed the principalities and the powers that were raged against us and he made a bold display and a public example of them in triumphing over them in him and in it the cross hallelujah God disarmed don't you like that the King James says spoiled but I like that disarmed another translation says he disarmed the principalities and the powers which fought against him the Phillips translation says it like this Jesus exposed them shattered empty and defeated. Hallelujah. When somebody is exposed, that means nothing is hidden. And down in the regions of the damned, the devil and all of his little imps and all of his little demons, Jesus exposed him in his own backyard.
Lord and they saw who he was a nothing and a nobody and I'm sure those angels that had followed him in his conspiracy to take the throne of God when they saw him exposed I'm sure they had a lot of regret what this little imp is what I left heaven for what him this little worm he really is a worm and folks on that day when we stand in the presence of almighty God Satan will be exposed one final time and he there's coming a day when he will be cast into outer darkness he will be bound up and cast into the pit and I know that there's going to be many Christians when they see him exposed empty and defeated they're going to go what what he him it that that little whippy thing that's what caused me so much trouble are you kidding me I should have whipped him a long time ago I had a power and authority over him God Jesus already did it and we can get a revelation in our spirit of who Satan is. We always talk about we need a revelation of who God is and who Jesus is. And we certainly do. And we need to meditate on him, not on the devil. But I'm telling you, if you get a revelation of how defeated the devil is, how exposed, how disarmed, how shattered, how defeated, and how empty and vain his threats and his lies are, you will know longer shrink back from him in fear he does not deserve to be reverenced in any way fashion or form years ago a minister was holding a meeting down in southern california and everybody it seemed like was getting the flu and there was very few people in the meeting so the pastor came up to the evangelist and he said brother aren't you afraid you're going to get the flu too. Should we close the meeting? Everybody's got the flu. And this evangelist said, no, in the name of Jesus, I will not have the flu. And the pastor shrunk back and said, oh, oh, aren't you afraid the devil's going to hear you say that? And this evangelist rose up and said, he's the very dude I'm saying it for. I don't fear him and I don't fear the flu. He's defeated, folks. The name of Jesus is greater than any other name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. These principalities that it talks about here, they have been Paralyzed. Paralyzed means they can't move. Satan had to hide and watch when Jesus stripped him of those keys. The keys of death, hell, and the grave. Satan and all of his cohorts were paralyzed by the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. 
And doesn't the Bible say that same power that raised Jesus from the dead? Where is it? Where is it? That same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Where is it? Where is it? Some of you are looking like, like, I don't know. I didn't take it. Don't blame me. I didn't lose it. No, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in every born again believer. And that same power that raised Jesus from the dead, what's it going to do? It's going to quicken your mortal body. It will quicken every kind of dead situation in your life. If your finances are dead, begin to declare that same power that raised Jesus from the dead quickens my finances. If you're having difficulty with a person and that relationship is tempted to be stressed and to be dead in the name of Jesus, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead, it quickens the relationship with my children. It quickens the relationship with my parents. It quickens the relationship with my spouse, whatever it may be. Power in the name of Jesus. And these same principalities that we looked up here that are defeated, that are under our feet, they're the same ones spoken about in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. How many of you give me a little bit more time tonight? Been going on a lot of side journeys. It's still a little early here. Ephesians 6, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's the same principalities that Jesus said that the word said in Ephesians that we have been raised up together and we are over them. They are defeated in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus defeated the devil, he destroyed the power of darkness to hold us in bondage. I love this scripture. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 says this. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness? And he hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. You do not have to be bound by the power of darkness. The name of Jesus has translated us out of the kingdom of darkness and brought us over into the kingdom of light. When we get that revelation, hallelujah, on the truth of the name of Jesus and we know what belongs to us, we can put Satan on the run every time, every time. And not like this little lady in church said, you know, I've got the devil on the run. Bless his holy name. I've been running all week and he's been chasing me. No, not that kind of run. We're not running from the devil. The Bible says resist the devil and he will 
flee. And I know the Bible says that he walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I heard this years ago and I can't improve on it. But when Jesus stripped him of his power and of his authority, just see it like this. He pulled all of that lion's teeth out and no lion is ever going to gum you to death. You do not have to be afraid of the devil. Hallelujah. He's all roaring with no bite. Glory be to God. We're the ones with the power. We're the ones with the authority. Have you got any areas in your life that you are tired of the devil messing with? You got any affairs in your life that you want to kick him out of tonight? Well, let's all stand to our feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your name. Thank you, Lord, for that name that is above every name, the name of Jesus.